it's a bittersweet moment, but better to leave while I'm healthy and well. That's what it sounded like last month at the annual Hanukkah party inside J&R Kosher Meats store in Montreal's Cavendish Mall. The owner's wife, Susie Nemes, was handing out powdered jelly donuts while Sid Nemes chatted with reporters and customers. But this would be the family's last celebration in the space they've rented since the early 1990s. After over 70 years in business, the Nemesis told the community they were closing down at the end of the week. The store was emptied out three days later when the lease was up. The news came as a shock to many, but Sid Nemes says there were several reasons he decided to sell the business, which his late father Robert built after surviving the Holocaust and then coming to Canada. One, the COVID lockdown hurt financially. Two, he can't match the prices from nearby Costco and Walmart and other big box stores. And three, he got a good offer to sell everything to a startup kosher outfit planning to open in Outremont later this month. I'm feeling a, a lot of hurt. A lot of uh, people are coming in, literally crying to me in the store. How can you do this to us? And I said, well, look, I just have to think of my future. As long as I'm well and I can afford to leave, then I'll do it. Unfortunately, in this business, there's two ways of them taking you out. It's either in your work boots or you lock the door and walk away. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, January the 12th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropian. J&R Meats was one of the longest surviving stores in the Cavendish Mall, which today itself is just a fraction of the size it was when I was growing up in the city. When we called it the Schmall, and it was the place to go for kids of my generation. Cindy Nemes moved his father's meat business from Van Horn to Cavendish in 1991, and it's operated there for over 30 years. But after he and his staff cleaned out the store and the meat plant upstairs, sold off the meat and gave the rest away, he and his Susie are now officially snowbirds. They packed a trunk full of meat, drove to Chicago first to drop off some at one of their son's homes who lives there, and then they went on to Florida where they're regrouping for at least a month. Sid Nemes joins me now. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I wasn't there at the end of... uh... December when you actually had to close to be there to see it in person, but I'm glad that you can make time for us now. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure. Okay. So you're on your your annual trip to Florida. That would have happened anyway, right? No, it wouldn't have. The last trip I ever took was a maximum of three days. I would go away for long weekends and that was it. So, you know, this is one of the reasons why I made the decision to close the store. It wasn't uh, drumming up enough business to make it worthwhile to stay open. And with all the the big box stores that were sprouting out and opening, it wasn't advantageous for my business. And I didn't feel like going into debt. I didn't feel like uh, working harder than I was ever working before and not making adequate money. So I decided to close. What you just mentioned about the big box stores, how much of that was because perhaps many are of your customers, some of your customers decided that they're not going to keep kosher anymore, or how much of it was the price as well that people didn't want to pay the price for high meat? What, what do you know? What do you feel is, a, is the most top two reasons why I think business is down? I don't think it was a question of kosherus. I think it was more a question of you would have um, a large outfit by the name of Mahadran that was serving Costco 
They were serving Walmart. They were serving chain stores that didn't require any uh, MK supervision. They didn't require a mashkiach. All those costs are tremendous. And the MK didn't do anything to help us out. They didn't give us any reductions in their rates. And as much as we complained about how could they allow a place like Costco have a huge kosher department and not have a mashkiach or supervision, they were able to cut the costs and the prices. So people were swarming there. I saw it myself. And what is Mahadrin for people who are not in, in Montreal, let's say our listeners outside of Montreal? What, are they the local slaughterhouse? Is that how it is? No, they're a, they're a very large kosher meat outfit. They used to be very tiny many years ago, just a little butcher shop. And then they sprouted into wholesale. And I guess business is good for them. So they boomed all over the place selling to Canada, the U.S., uh, bringing in a lot of imported meats from Mexico, which, and, um, you know, they were able to cut costs and just bang out the prices. Uh, and, you know, it's good for the MK. As long as they're getting their money on every pound sold, they're happy. They don't care if every small butcher gets pushed to the side and they allow somebody like Mahadrin to knock everybody out and just serve the chain stores because that's that's what they're going for. This is a, a very serious accusation and it wouldn't be the first time that I've heard about problems with MK and unfairness in the Montreal community. How does you, the loss of your store, do you feel, and your 70 years of service impact the community? What are you feeling? I didn't want to be taken out of my work boots. Um, albeit I was, I was bought out by a startup company of Hasidic Jews who I know from many, many years ago, they're super honorable. Um, they're going to open up a place similar to my store because I'm the one that's designing it for them. I'm the one that's discussing it with the architects and designers to make it uh, a fantastic operation. It should be coming up sometime at the end of the spring or beginning summer. And uh, I'm going to help them as much as I can. It's more for their, I'll say 50% for their Hasidic community. And the rest is for, you know, kosher, kosher observant Jews in the city. And, uh, you know, I'll serve my old customers. They have my phone number. They have my emails. I still keep everything. Uh, orders will go through them, you know, followed by myself when I get back. And uh, yeah, that's it. And how will the, what you described happening with the Mahadran undercutting affect this business? How do you make sure that that doesn't happen to them? It won't. Because I have, <clears throat> I have the ability to buy from the same abattoirs as them. I have not given up that ability. Uh, the abattoir that I dealt with before, who I've been dealing with for the last 40 years, will not push me to the side. Uh, I'll make sure that the people that I'm working with will be able to do a shechita there uh, uh, for themselves. 
And if push comes to shove, we'll get elsewhere. I interviewed Epi, Epi uh, from uh, Omnitsky's, whose deli was being sold or closing. He also has factory. I don't know if you know who he is in Vancouver. No. So he's the only kosher deli and butcher left west of Toronto. Same age as you. Maybe you're younger. None of his kids want to go into the business. Then I hear about you. And I wonder what it says about the, the tradition of having kosher butchers and delis in Canada. Because it seems that people have reached a certain generation. That's correct. But I have five children. And I used to write them notes on the breakfast table. It's now 5 a.m. I'm going to work. And if you don't do well in school, you'll be coming to work with me at 5 o'clock in the morning. And... They all decided to do very well in school, and thank God they're all professionals. And um, I don't have to worry about them, so my job is done. There was never any wish that you and your grand or their grandfather, your father, wanted them to continue the business. One of my sons was about to come into it. He was going into dental school, and he said, "If I don't get accepted, I'm going to come work with you." And I started actually training him on the marinating of of deli meats. The acceptance came through and, and that was it. And I was very happy for him because that was his dream. My dream was to, when I came into my dad's business, when I was only 16, was to try to further it, bring it to the next step and the next step and the next step. So I did everything I could possibly in the retail side. And, um, you know, my legacy stands and and I'm happy with that. I have... No remorse. I have no bad feelings about leaving the business. I don't know what day it is anymore because <laughs> I don't have that stress of Sunday night. Oh, what's going to happen this week? What do I have to do Monday morning? That's gone completely, which is phenomenal. Was there any ever thought of opening a sit-down restaurant in the deli over the years? Yes. Uh, I thought about it. I was about to go into it and my wife kind of talked me out of it. She says, you're going to go in from one slave trade to another slave trade. So I stopped. Would have been good. Whatever happened to your, the family's effort to bring kosher food to the Bell Center, kosher hot dogs? I looked it up. We even covered it at the CJN. But did that ever happen? No, that was actually my, my son, Zachary. And he was... So gung-ho. I mean, he would have been phenomenal to take over my business. The Bell Center wanted fortunes of money in advertising. And I said, look, I'm not a Molson. I'm not Labatt. I can't afford 200 and something thousand dollars in advertising on your billboards on the ice. Not going to happen. So, passed. As far as the... The actual upstairs, like in your old in the in the Cavendish Mall, the factory, everything that's all that space. Do you know what they're going to do with it? What's going in there? I know that they plan on demolishing that end of the mall in the next five years, building more condos, and building uh, building out. I guess for IGA, for Farmerpre, for some of the big stores. And I asked them, "Will if I find you somebody, will you?" give them a five-year lease? And their answer was flat out, no. So it left me no option. Nobody was going to spend the money and come in and start putting 
new counters and spruce it up a little bit to continue the area's demand for a kosher butcher in the area, they could be partial to blame as well. I know you worked so many years with your father. What do you think, or have you talked to him in your head about your new journey and your new venture in closing? What do you think he would have made of this? He probably would have approved of everything. You know, uh, he was a very hard worker. He was actually the same age as I am now when we sold our place on Van Horn, our old store and building, and we finished, we completed the construction of my plant and everything in Cavendish Mall. It was the exact same age. And I said to him, now you have to learn how to live life. You have enough, thank God, to spend, blow it all, enjoy yourself. You worked hard enough. You went through Auschwitz, you lost your entire family. Now it's time for you to enjoy. So what he did, he signed off all his liabilities. I said, I don't want you to be responsible for anything. He left and uh, he was spending his four or five months in Florida, would come back. Uh, he would come into the store almost every day just to peter and putter around. If stuff wasn't put on the showcase properly, he would turn around the packaging. He would do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, and then he'd go over to one of the cashiers and he'd say, give me some money, I have to go shopping. <laughs> because <laughs> that's what you did in a, in a cash cow type of business. <laughs> so that, that went on until he passed away about seven years ago. He came into the meat business because he never wanted his family to go hungry. What is the future for kosher meat in Quebec? I think it's still strong. There are a lot of French people that are moving here from France because of the French uh, that are being pushed away from because of anti-Semitism. I noticed a lot of them. There are a lot of very observant French Jews that are in, in Cote St. Luke as well. So there's, there's a market for it, sure. Right, but in terms of where people will get it, you don't see it in terms of small butchers anymore, do you? Or Since I'm not in the picture anymore, it'll be divvied up to the other three or four small places. And how different the flavor of your uh, smoked meat is it than, let's say, Snowden Deli or Schwartz's? Do you guys have a secret recipe also that no one knows? I have a recipe. It's in my head. I learned it from old timers. When I came into the business, my father said, never mind serving the ladies in the front, go in the back and learn the deli. And the guys that I learned the deli from were guys that worked on the main processing smoked meat and pastrami's and salamis and hot dogs in the late 40s and 50s and 60s. The flavor and the, and the recipes go on with that, which I'll give and hand down to this, this new group. Maybe we'll see, um, I know that say Trader Joe's has a special flavor and then there's like the Montreal Steak Spice has its own. I'm sorry, I haven't, I've only been in your store once to buy stuff as an adult and I, it was a, a long time ago. Do you have uh, a, a special flavoring that people all buy or some kind of special takeout thing that people all have in their homes that people would know? Well, everything from my special beef fry to my smoked meat, to my smoked turkeys. They're all made the old fashioned way and will always be made the old fashioned way. It's not mass produced, uh, brine and 
cure it as fast as possible to get it out, it's still done the old way. It'll still stay in barrels for a few weeks in my spices before it gets put into process. But I mean, like, you don't sell, like, I don't know, a pickling spice or some kind of, I don't know, like Mandy's dressing or Joe's, Joe beef or whatever that, that people do on their own meat at home. You don't have that, right? I don't know. What I actually did before I closed the store was I made a couple of huge bags of my old-fashioned rub that I used to put on my briskets before they went into the smoker. I gave some to a nephew of mine in Toronto. He has it, so if I give his address out, they'll crash into his house and try to steal it. But I do have certain recipes. It's a thought. I'm, I'll probably take that rub. I have customers that come in that started with this whole smoker, their brisket in the smoker business in their backyard. And I would say, wait one minute. I'd run upstairs, take a small shovel of my old fashioned spice, put it in a container. I said, here, put this on your brisket before you smoke it, but don't tell anybody I gave it to you. There you go. So I get royalties now for the next like 400 years when you start making millions on eBay, right? When you do this, right? right. <laughs> exactly. In Jewish news flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, my grandfather be uh, smiling from heaven. I know he would. <laughs> and you'll, you'll hear from me in the next few months. Just follow our Facebook or emails and you'll know where I'll be in the next couple of months. By the way, we contacted the MK Montreal Kosher Certification Agency for a statement. It wasn't available by press time, but we'll update you if we get one. Meantime, MK did post a tribute on Facebook to JNR last month, thanking them for years of service to the community. I should also explain something to you that we said in the interview. I said my grandfather is smiling in heaven. And that's because Jack Besner, who was my father's father, worked all his life as a butcher in Montreal, too. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Dr. Aaron Warman in Philadelphia, who wrote in to say that his university is also dealing with anti-Semitism on campus. And we'll end the episode with a reminder to support the CJN. You can now give charitable donations through our website and get a tax receipt. So just go to the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk on Monday. 